right, welcome to another episode of The Producing Half. I'm your host, Thomas. I didn't really prepare for today's episode. Normally I do a lot of um, preparing on how I want to present it and doing some research a little bit and outlining everything. But uh, this one kind of snuck up on me and I just didn't do a lot of preparing, but I don't really need to because I'm not going to focus on what everybody else focuses on. This one is going to be about um, the Second Amendment, gun rights, the the right to bear and keep arms. Um, it's pretty contentious right now because of all the mass shootings. We focus on the tool instead of the cause because we're not the brightest people or the brightest creatures in the universe, I guess. <clears throat> you don't you don't blame the car for a drunk driver, but you blame a gun for um, a shooting. That makes n- little sense. The gun didn't get up and go shoot somebody. Um, the the whole thing about the Second Amendment to me is about fear. There's a, a certain class of people that are afraid, and and so in turn they attack. You know that's all they know to do. They know to attack. Plus they're easily they're easily controlled. And so people with uh, nefarious, nefarious, um, meet, you know, that, that want to do something, but the guns are staying in their way. You know, their intentions are not so pure. They have an agenda that um, a well-armed populace would prevent from uh, taking place. They are, um, you know, those people are, are easily controlled by the other individuals that have an agenda. So that's the uh, the Second Amendment, the right to keep and bear arms. You would think that that would be such an easy thing. I mean, it's the right to keep, keep and bear arms. But, you know, before we get into the Second Amendment, let's talk something I might have mentioned before, which to me is natural rights. One of the natural rights that there are, and the, when I say natural rights, it means the Constitution is great, love it. Um, state constitutions, better, love them. The amendments love them as well. The The issue with the Constitution is that it's written by men. And so those men who wrote it had an agenda. And they wrote it in such a way to further their agenda. But there are natural rights out there. Natural rights that are independent of what a man can write down or type up. These natural rights are have always been there. They were always there. They were always our rights. We didn't, um, we didn't have to, you know, they, they weren't created or invented. They were just there. They're just part of being in this universe. And one of those is property rights, in my opinion, is the right to own something that's, that's entirely yours. It's, it's a, it's a, you have that right. It's yours to do with. It's your property. And people can't, you know, back to the fundamental or natural laws, you know, do all that you say they'll do do all that you say you'll do and do not infringe on other people or their property. That's a natural right. Another um, natural right is the right to protect yourself. You know, it's, that's a, that's a super important, the, the right to life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. Those are just natural. I mean, I know some of them are articulated in the constitution, but those are natural rights that we all always had now they were always oppressed they were always you know um 
infringed upon by the monarchs or the, the pharaohs or the dictators. But they always existed. They were always there. The right to free speech, you know. I, I believe that's a natural right. To be able to talk freely is a natural right, you know, in private property. And the most fundamental is the right to uh, life. And one of the easiest way for people to protect their lives is a firearm. It's a great equalizer. Um, I'm six foot four and rather, you know, robust. I've been, you know, a physical laborer most of my life until the last 15 years or so, 20 years. But, uh, you know, so I, I was able to protect myself with or without a gun, all things being equal. In other words, that person didn't know how to fight either because I don't know how to fight. But just by pure size and strength, you know, I was able to protect myself as long as the other person didn't know how to fight, didn't have a knife, and did not have a gun. But you take a 80-pound, you know, 70-year-old grandma and you hand her a 38 and all of a sudden she can protect herself against me. She can protect protect herself against anybody. So it's a great equalizer for your ability to pursue your right to to life. It is it is definitely a right. Now the second minute. What is so we understand that the right to own a, a firearm, no matter what kind of firearm it is, and really this doesn't matter what kind, maybe short of nukes, um, is is a is a natural it's a natural right. We've we've all had it and we always had it. No matter what the left Marxists want to, to do. I have a handy book here. It actually just came in today, so I haven't had a chance to read it yet. I can't even tell you how long ago I ordered this book. Um, I got it from Hillsdale College. I think you had to donate $100 to get them to send you this book. It was back when I was really studying the uh, Constitution. I've read a lot about the Constitution then, but I'm still going to uh, read this as well. Um, and I'll actually, instead of listening to it, I'll actually have to read this book. But luckily it has the Second Amendment in here, so I don't have to Google it or write it down. I can just read it. <clears throat> so the Second Amendment, by the way, I guess before we do this, because the Constitution is important and the, the Founding Fathers' views were important, but we all need to focus more on what the ratifiers' intentions are. Um, so a lot of these amendments had something to do with the ratifiers. People who, the states who were going to ratify the Constitution, they wanted to make sure, and they're the people. <clears throat> but we'll get into it more as we go along, I'm sure, if I remember. A well-regulated militia, and that was everybody who was able-bodied, and we're talking teenagers. Uh, I guess women weren't considered part of the militia, but, you know, if you were 12 years old, um, you were supposed to have a gun and, and be able to use it. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. Now, here's something that the state, the free state, they did not mean the federal government. You see, back in these days, states were independent nations. And the United States was never supposed to be what it is today. It was supposed to be independent nations united for mutual defense and, you know, mutual growth. But it was never supposed to be this huge federal government that um, rules everything and gets to tell the states what to do. No. Um, so one of the parts of the amendment being necessary to the security of a free state, they meant protect themselves from the federal government. They meant that, you know, they foresaw what would happen if we ever allowed 
the federal government to get too big and too powerful. They understood that. And they understood what that the Supreme Court was really not a check on the other two uh, branches of the government. They understood that. They understood what was going to happen. And they did everything they could um, to prevent that from happening. Being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people... They specifically said people. They mentioned the state, and then they said people. To keep and bear arms. Not only to own a gun, to be, but be able to, to have it with you. To walk around with it. To bear it. And this, this next uh, sentence seems to be so hard for people to un understand. Shall not be infringed. Shall not be infringed. I, infringed is an easy word. It means you can't do anything. You can't do anything to the people's right to keep and bear arms, and you can't do anything to the state's right to have militias. This was all about protecting the states and the people from the federal government, along with having a, um, a, a an armed populace that could be formed into an army quickly and not needing to mass produce weapons at, at a drop of a hat because America was never supposed to have a standing army, and we still shouldn't. We should have a very small defensive force. We should not be the world's police going around. It's it's always the um, poor people's sons and daughters and moms and dads that die overseas, not the rich elite, not not the politicians and and their rich benefactor benefitters. So this, um, I mean, I don't understand how we have any discussions on the Second Amendment when you just read this. It is blatantly obvious what the Second Amendment says. It is obvious for all, and if you understand what the ratifiers of the Constitution, what they meant by it, which anybody who has Google could look up at the state conventions, what the Federalists and what the people who were trying to form the federal government were telling the ratifiers. They were telling the ratifiers that all these things were meant to protect the states and the state rights, and that the federal government would never be this huge monstrosity that just became a dictator. Of course, they knew it would eventually, um, and that's why we had the bill. They would not, the Bill of Rights was forced upon the Constitution before the states would ratify it because the, the, the people who were trying to push for the United States and push for the Constitution, the federal government, they said to the states that we don't need this Bill of Rights because, because these rights are already, you know, like the bill, the Constitution is, grants rights to the federal government it doesn't take away rights from the people so if it's not listed in the constitution that the state has the right to um, take away your guns then why would we need an amendment for it because the constitution only gives um, certain freedoms or rights to the federal and state governments and everything else is reserved if, it, if you read the constitution it says that you know the grants the federal government these rights if it if it, if it and then it grants the states and then whatever rights that it doesn't grant are reserved to the states and are reserved to the people so the that was the argument for the people who were you know like let's just do the constitution we don't need a bill of rights is because they didn't need it because it was implied that those those rights were always there for the people but there were lots of states and ratifiers of the constitution no 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 we need these things in, implicitly stated in the in the Constitution. So there you got the Bill of Rights. So for everybody who has three brain cells and can listen with ears, or if it's Braille with their fingers, or read with their eyes, 
um, can read that that sentence and know that there is that the federal government has zero ability to um, prevent people from owning weapons of any kind, they, any arms. They have zero percent. You got to use a little common sense there, but not really. States, um, I would argue that states don't have the right either because the privileges the you know it's a fundamental it's a natural right and even a state could not infringe upon it and and so the rights that were not reserved to the federal government were then reserved to the state and then if they weren't reserved to the state then they're reserved to the people well that was a right that was specifically said that the right for the people should not be infringed so it was always supposed to um it was it was so they just they didn't understand how ignorant we the people would become how complicit our representatives would become and how duplicit the um, our representatives would be. The, I didn't really go through a lot of the, the stats, and this won't be a super long um, podcast because to me, I mean, we're done talking about it, right? I mean, we've, we, it's a natural right. It's always existed. If it was sticks, if it was swords, or if it was guns, um, it all it always existed. It, it doesn't matter. We have the right to defend ourselves. And who do you, should you defend yourself from? Well, I mean, yeah, there's crazy people out there and there's criminals out there. But who's killed more people than anybody? Who has killed more human beings than anybody? Let me uh, help you with that answer. It's governments. They have killed more people, murdered more people, blatantly murdered more people than anybody else. But there is some... So I always uh, like to, <clears throat> people will quote, you know, this mini gun, this, this, this. They'll try to quote stats. Well, there's a saying that um, stats don't lie, but liars use stats. Because it's just, you can manipulate the numbers however you want, <clears throat> depending on how you populate the the data or how you're formulating everything. And what what's your error, you know, it's just, I had a, a trigonometry teacher who would go through um, a lot of polls uh, and things that we, you know, you'd see in the news or something, and he'd break out the math of them and show how he could make them say, using their criteria, he could make them say whatever they he wanted them to say, and they would still be uh, mathematically sound. And so stats are hard to to use as a defense and as an argument for for um, gun rights or taking away gun rights. There are anywhere between, but there are some stats that are just like, and again, I don't want to get into a bunch of stats because then you're just arguing semantics. And why do we need to argue stats? Because the right to keep and bear arms is a natural right that no one has the ability to infringe upon. We thought it was so important. We put it in the Constitution, and many states have it in theirs as well. That's how important the ratifiers. And I can't state enough how important it is for the ratifiers how the ratifiers saw everything the people who are really not the few elites who did the constitution and were pushing it on everybody but how the people who were agreeing to be bound by it thought of it and that is more important than what the founding fathers thought which i'm a fan of the founding fathers so i'm not talking against them but it's more important how the people who were agreeing to form this association and what they thought about it all but there are some interesting stats out there, and we're going to stay very broad and not very detailed. 
And so there are anywhere between 800,000 to 3 million defensive gun um, gun uses every year in the United States. And those are from, uh, I think those stats come straight from Obama after Sandy Hook. Matter of fact, I did copy and paste that somewhere. So uh, the Centers of Disease Control in a report ordered by Obama after Sandy Hook uh, estimated that the number of crimes prevented by guns could be even higher than what people thought. As many as 3 million crimes were prevented by guns every day. How many deaths do you think that prevents? How many? Um, and so when, if, if I'm going to get an argument about stats to uh, with somebody, I always make them lose their own argument. I don't go into uh, all the stats they got from whatever left-leaning you know, website or news organization. I just stick to some easily, you know, like something that's the F, just raw stats, the FBI stats. And I only, I only ever really ever say this, and it's, uh, well, so let's say guns, let's just forget all the stats, let's just talk me and you. Let's say that guns kill uh, a thousand people, uh, a thousand people are murdered, illegally killed by firearms every year. I know it's more, let's just say it's more, let's say it's billions, I don't, I don't care, but let's just, for easy sake, let's say it's a thousand, a thousand people are murdered and mass shootings, whatever the case may be. It's not that much, but let's say, I mean, as far as mass shootings go, let's say it's a thousand people. And they're like, okay, well, well let's agree to a thousand people. How many more lives would need to be saved by guns for you to be okay with guns being around? How many more? Let's say there's a thousand people murdered by illegal use of firearms. People who shouldn't even own the gun. Mass shooters, crazy people, nutcases. Um, Trump supporters. Let's say that uh, a thousand people would eleven hundred people saved. So you got a thousand people died because there's guns, but there's another eleven hundred people saved. So that means that without gun, without legal ownership of guns, there might be twenty one hundred. And then of course they'll argue, well, if there's no guns, how would these, how would these people have killed people? They would have killed people. If you're going to kill somebody, um, you're going to kill them. Just look at um, London and all the knife deaths. And there's other ways. Cars. You wreck. You don't see them banning U-Hauls um, um, because some, you know, a guy runs through and mass kills people with a U-Haul, and he didn't have a gun. He just used a U-Haul. Killed more people than most mass shootings. So there's lots of ways to kill people. But let's just say a thousand people are are murdered with guns every year. But 1,100 are saved. Is that is that worth it to you? And they'll say, well, no, because if you didn't have guns, maybe only 100 of those people will die. Okay. Well, if 1,000 people and 2,000, no, no. How about 1,000 people and then 5,000 people are saved by legal ownership of guns? And they start wavering. I'm like, you know what? Let's just say it's 10,000. 10,000 people. 1,000 people are killed, murdered by guns. But 10,000 people are saved by guns. And at that point, generally speaking, I'm like, yeah, if that was true, then 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 I'd be okay with it. Well, so so that's ten times. So ten, you need ten times the number of lives saved by something, than killed by something, murdered by something. And they're like, yeah, if that's that, then I'd be willing to move forward. Okay. Well, the real stat, depending on who you, which you know, how you want to use it, is between fifty to eighty times. Fifty 
to 80 times more. There are 50 to 80 times more lives saved by firearms than by murders, by illegal uses of firearms. 50 to 80 times, depending on how you want to work the stat. That's why it's such a huge broad. If you're a super pro gun and you're just, you know, cherry picking your stats, you're going to be in the 80, you're going to be the 80 times, 80 times range. If you're um, super liberal, you're probably going to be below 50, but you're going to be close to 50 times as many um, people's lives are saved, crimes are stopped by defensive use of firearms. And it's so hard to even know. And that's why they say that 2.5 million crimes are prevented, uh, or even more, you know, basically 7,000 a day, because brandishing saw, prevents so many crimes. Just the fair, they've, they've interviewed um, felons, 60% of convicted felons um, uh, avoided committing crimes if they thought their victim could be ordered, uh, could be armed. 40% of them said that they would avoid committing crimes when they, uh, that they thought that the, um, that, you know, there may, that the area, that there's lots of guns in the area. 60% said if they thought that the person knew, if they, if they really thought they might have a gun, 60% of them said they, they wouldn't do it. 40% said that if they just suspected in the area that, you know, it was, it was a high gun area, like the, this neighborhood, these guys own guns, they didn't go there. Had nothing to do whether they thought they'd get away with it, but it's just, they were afraid of getting killed. Felons, felons also, uh, when they interviewed them, said that they didn't go into houses that they thought the people owned guns. Um, fewer than 1%, and this is a FBI stat, I believe, fewer than 1% of the firearms, legal, uh, firearms in America are used to commit a crime. Not murder. I'm not even saying murder. I'm just saying a crime. Fewer than 1%. I wonder what the percentage of cars are used in a crime but we're not trying to ban cars. You have to understand the agenda behind everything. When you de-arm a populace, just look look through history whenever we de-armed populaces. Look in what happened. Look what happened in Russia. Look what happened in Cambodia or um, in Germany. Look, look anywhere where they de-arm the populace, what happens to the populace. And these leftists who want to de-arm the people seem to be under the impression that they're going to be protected and they'll be some of the first to go because they'll be just they'll be just they're, they're already willing to revolt um and be you know kind of radical to begin with and then when they finally get what they think they want it's not going to be what they want so they're going to be some of the first they're going to be some of the first to go guns are meant to keep first of all the whole argument with the police are there to protect you. Well, that's a joke. I have never had the police show up in time to stop anything from happening. I've never seen it. Um, I remember once we had a, um, some people tr try to break into our house when I was a kid. And I was, you know, I mean, a teenager. By the time the police got there, we had already handled the situation. And it was like 15 minutes later. I mean, it was, there was nothing that we would all be dead. I remember, um, well, I don't remember this at all. Although I, I wonder if that's where I got those nightmares I used to have as a kid. I always used to imagine there was a, um, um, some, something standing over me, watching me while I slept when I was a, a wee little lad. Could have been that I watched, um, 
Amer American Werewolf in London when I was like five years old. My parents were weird. They let me watch anything. But uh, so a guy broke into our house when I was about four or five years old. And my dad found him standing over my crib. And uh, he had a shotgun and he, he, he didn't shoot him mainly because there was no ammo in the shotgun. Luckily, the guy didn't know that because the guy was armed. He had a gun. He had a uh, .357. And um, he uh, ended up, it took forever for the police there. Matter of fact, my, my mom screaming bloody murder, uh, the neighbor came over with his gun and helped, who was, at this point, that gun was loaded. So my dad went and loaded his shotgun after that point. Um, and uh, the neighbor uh, came over and that guy had killed kids. He, he was a kid. He, he was a kid killer. He kidnapped and killed kids. So this happened when I was four or five years old, and he was standing over my crib. What was he going to do? Nothing good. He broke into our house. So um, in that case, I can tell you personally, a firearm saved my life because he had a gun. It's just that my dad had a drop on him. And if the guy would have realized that my dad's gun was unloaded, which an unloaded gun is worthless. Um, and, you know, I grew up in my house with guns 24-7. Like, there were guns everywhere. I never even thought about it. Um, you didn't you didn't touch them unless you needed them. You definitely didn't play with them. They were all loaded. There was always a shotgun next to the front door. Um, there was, there was none of the guns were hidden or locked away. And my brother was not a good person, and he never even messed with them. He was four years older than me, and he was a bit of a wild one for sure. And you know, I remember being, I mean, I was probably in third or fourth grade, going out with my 12 gauge automatic hunting. Um, by myself, you know, shooting uh, rabbit or um, dove or quail. We lived out in the middle of nowhere. So um, we, uh, you know, there was no, like I wasn't going to shoot anybody. We were on acreage out in the middle of nowhere. But I never, it never even crossed my mind. I've had a gun my entire life. It never, I mean, nowadays I keep my firearms all locked up um, so that my children can't get to them. Um mainly just because the culture we live in today. I don't think my boys would ever be so stupid. Uh, you know, they would know that what would happen to them if I ever caught them playing with one of my, my guns. But I just keep them locked up. And my, my oldest son, he's 15. He has uh, a 22, a Henry 22, a lever action. I've taken him to the gun range and let him... They're not, they're not really into guns. Uh, my youngest, I've taken him to the gun range and shoot a pistol. He doesn't really like it. It's too loud. Uh, he, I don't like loud noises either, so I don't, I don't blame him. But we just grew up with guns. I always grew up with guns. It was never a big deal. But it's the, it's the, the, the problem isn't the guns. These mass shootings, the problem is not the guns. It's the people. It's a different world we live in. And there's all this SSRIs. And you notice a lot of these mass shooters are on these, uh, these, these mood, mood stabilizers. And, it, and they're, they're, they kill people not when they're discontinuing them, but when they change the dosage. Then they go nuts and start shooting people. That's when they when they go crazy. These SSRIs, and I saw one interview with this psychologist who was I guess she was writing a book, and this was a while ago, so I don't know if it's still true for all the the shooting since. But one hundred percent of the mass shooters were on the serotonin um, inhibitor, uptake inhibitors, or whatever those drugs are called. Again, I just I watched this interview a long time ago, and I have not put any research into it. But I remember that. She said 100% of the mass shootings in her book were the guys were on these SSRIs, I think they call them, serotonin uptake inhibitor or something, I don't know. 
But, um, and I want to say, you can't quote me on this one, definitely Google it if, if you want to use it, that 100% of them had recently had their dosage changed in some way before they committed the, the mass shooting. Now, if you want to go uh, crazy, if you want to go tinfoil hat and go down the, the, the conspiracy rabbit hole, you can say that if you want there to be mass shootings, all you have to do is put out a directive, some change something with, uh, have a bunch of people on these drugs and then just change something with the dosage. You know, oh, you need to change the dosage with your patients who are experiencing this. You just put that blanketly out with all the, the psychologists and the psychologists out there and you're going to get just as, as a pure numbers game, you're going to get mass shootings. I'm just saying if you were a conspiracy theorist, I don't give, and one of my flaws is that I don't give our federal government much credit. And I've said it before that if um, one of the greatest things the devil did was convince the world he didn't exist, and one of the greatest things our government or any government has done is convince the world or its people um, that they're stupid. And so that's a flaw that I have as well is because I never give my government credit for being able to pull off any of these conspiracies that these wackos I should stop saying wackos because some of them are true. I'm, look at Epstein. <clears throat> but that these people say, you know, that I, I'm just like, there's no way. I just don't see these guys that pay $8,000 for a toilet able to, to, to pull this off. And, uh, with, and, and everybody keeping their mouth shut. How does everybody keep their mouth shut? That's the thing. Is in today's world, um, look at what, what um, O'Keefe is always doing. They're always, they everybody wants to talk. Nobody can keep their mouth shut. So I don't see them um, being able to pull off grand conspiracies, so that's why I stay away from them. But that could be my prejudice. I'm not giving them cre credit enough for what they could do. But you have to understand the agenda behind gun control. The agenda is nefarious. It's not, um, it's not, they're not um, being genuine in what they're saying. There is an agenda there, and it's not to save people's lives. It's about control. It's about consolidating power. It's about... Um, it's about control, being able to control us. There's no legitimate reason to, to take away guns from law-abiding citizens. There's no legitimate reason to even infringe upon it. Now, if I was the governor of Texas, and I like our governor, but he's a follower, he's not a leader. If I was him, I would immediately get the Texas Senate and Congress to pass... Um, a law that said that if you are a license to carry in Texas, you're automatically a member of the new Texas militia that we're just forming. Not only are you now a member of this new well-regulated militia, uh, we're also going to send you a gun. We're going to send you a rifle. May, may, I don't care if it's fully automatic. Let it be fully. Or semi-automatic rifle, and here's a thousand rounds of ammo. These are now your responsibility, and should, you, should we need you... Um, we'll uh, call you up uh, for defense, defense of Texas. Texas needs, all these states need to take back their ability to defend themselves from the federal government. Things are going to get ugly, I believe. I have the prejudice that it's going to be a slow, slow process, but it could be a lot faster than we want it to be. That would be my plan for Texas, is let's make everybody who has a license to carry, because if you have a license to carry a gun, Concealed handgun permits, what it used to be, and now it's just a license to carry, so you don't have to conceal it. That, mean, that means that you have a little, little bit of an understanding of the laws and the rules, and you've also went to a mediocre you know, training where you can show that you can hit a target. 
literally if you had your eyes closed you could pass this test and hit this target because it's all very close but you know most of the time if you're going to use a gun in defense it's going to be very close because if they're far away you had no reason unless they're shooting at you you have no reason to shoot them if somebody's running at me with a bat and he's a hundred yards away i'm not going to be shooting at him i'm going to be like hey back off I'm, I'm going to shoot you and at 50 yards i'm still not going to be shooting him probably around 20 yards is when i'm going to shoot him and it's pretty easy to hit something at 20 yards uh, at maybe at 20 yards i'm not shooting and maybe i wait till 10 yards or even five yards at five yards i can put a lot of rounds into somebody before they get to me so you don't need to be able to shoot very far to uh use a gun effectively in self-defense so i guess I'm being a little negative about the test you have to pass to get a license to carry. I mean, I, at the last at the last section, the farthest away section, I, I just played around and still was able to get a perfect score. And I am not a marksman at all. I, mean, I can do really good with 30-30 at about 100 yards, but other than that, I am not a marksman, marksman at all. But there's an agenda behind this, and you got to be aware of it. But Texas needs to step it up, and Florida and the other states need to step it up. To I know we're passing laws you don't even need a license to carry uh, a gun but we need to protect us more from the federal government i think we need to reinstate state militias we need to automatically make everybody who has some semblance of a training a um, part of the militia and then we ought to we ought to send them at the state expense send them a rifle that they're forced to maintain they're forced to have send them a thousand rounds every year you want them to practice a thousand rounds in that rifle every year Send them a thousand rounds every year to practice with. Make sure they know how to use it. Make sure that maybe they have to present it every once in a while for make sure they're keeping it adequately cleaned or something. But I'm serious. We need that. That would be awesome. I would support that wholeheartedly. But whenever somebody wants to come at you with, um, you know, gun control stats, just it's a natural law. It doesn't matter. Your your stat is first of all is inaccurate to begin with. I guarantee it. Even the stats I said today are probably inaccurate. Um, the best you can do is just do a little bit of research and try to get them from the sources of the sources of the source. You know, get them straight from FBI or whoever you can, because if it's on a website, it's been manipulated. But there is no argument. It's a natural right. You can't tell me what I can and cannot own. That is a natural right. It is mine. I own it. And, and you can't prevent that. Not only that, you can't prevent me from my right to life and, and my right to protect my life. And the most, the easiest way to protect one's life is with a firearm. And um, it's it was so important we put it in the Constitution because we knew that's why it's there. You know, there was a, I read a story. I wish I remember what book it was in so I can get it exact names for you. But there was some of the founding fathers. One of them wrote to the president. It might have been Jefferson. It might have been Washington. And because he, he needed a cannon to go on his property. Just having problems with like, it wasn't Americans; it must have been pirates or something. And, he, and, this, and this wasn't a privateer either. It wasn't a ship he was putting. He was putting the cannon, cannon on his land. He needed this. Maybe it was Indians. I don't know. And so he wrote the president. And you know, this guy was uh, uh, one of the founding fathers, so he he had access to the president. A lot of people had access to the president back then, but he had access to the president. And he wrote the president, and he said, "You know, I'm not sure. Is it? Is, is can I legally have a cannon?" You know, I know it's right to bear arms. Does that mean cannons as well? And the president wrote back and said, get yourself a cannon. What? We can't tell you what you can and can't own. It's, it's Go get your cannon. It's right to bear arms. They wanted the people to have the same caliber of weapons as militaries. 
what good is if you have everybody has a musket when you're fighting against people with um, you know M60s muskets not going to do anything so they wanted us to have that's just a, a story I read once in a, in a book I'm sure it was true because I, I remember you know what the guy who wrote it I think his name was Tom Tom Woods and I, I believe that he is uh, so it was one of his books I believe he's pretty uh, he's pretty careful with the things he says anyways that's what I wanted to talk to you uh, about today thank you for tuning in to the producing half podcast the podcast where we talk about you know what it means to be a working american an american who produces not necessarily a you know a guy out there digging ditches or something i've did that myself but just anybody who produces you could be blue collar white collar doesn't matter if you're a producer you know it and you produce and this is what this is for stay tuned for the uh next one um I have no idea what it's about but hopefully i'll do some more research talk to you later